Welcome to episode 9 of the Transforma to Inglés Profesional podcast. I am your host, Daniel Smith. Today, I will be talking with Alistair, an amazing coach from my team, all about the meaning of the phrasal verb to end up, Alistair's TEFL story, my story about my first intensive week in Spain, the meaning of the term gap year, what it means when you put someone up for the night, and why native English speakers have no idea what phrasal verbs are. This podcast is aimed at helping you push your business communication skills to the next level so that you can grow professionally and achieve your international career goals. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Enjoy! everyone. Today we are going to talk about a very interesting subject which is all to do with phrasal verbs. Now phrasal verbs can be quite confusing and also quite complex so we thought that it would be an interesting topic to cover. So as usual Alistair is here with me. Hi Alistair. Hi good morning how are you? I'm fine I'm fine how are you? Yeah really well everything good. Good, good. So yeah, today we thought we would specifically focus on one particular phrasal verb, right, which is the idea of end up, okay? And what we wanted to do with this particular phrasal verb is to kind of give uh, the listeners a story related to the con- the context within which you might use this particular phrasal verb, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think stories in particular can help a lot in terms of trying to learn phrasal verbs because they are difficult to learn and they can have several meanings, right? So so that's that's what we're going to talk today about. So Maybe, Alistair, you could talk a little bit about that particular phrasal verb and its meaning. Yeah, end up is you you have a plan, you intend to do something, and for some reason you end up end up doing something different, so you change your plan. So an example would be uh, you want to go to the cinema, but for some reason maybe the cinema is closed when you arrive or there's there's not a film you want to see and so you change your plan and you go to the theater so you say well we were going to the cinema but we ended up going to the theater so you started with one plan and you changed to a different plan or common one is maybe you went out for a quick beer just you just intended to go out for have one beer two beers for an hour and uh, you ended up having a lot more beer and coming home at three o'clock in the morning so that's quite a common one to say oh i just went out with I met a friend for a quick beer and I ended up staying till two o'clock in the morning. So you're a plan, you know, you changed your plan because of circumstances. No? You're enjoying yourself, having a good time, and you stayed a lot longer in the bar drinking than you originally had intended. No? Exactly. So this is end up doing something different to your original plan. 
Exactly, exactly right. Yeah, that's a that's a great explanation. It's kind of interesting one because the way we have kind of to to actually explain or, or provide the definition, we're kind of tempted to use the phrasal verb again, right? <laughs> it's kind of an interesting one because we 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 want to explain exactly what it is, but we use it again. So we we start doing something and we ended up doing something else, right? But but in this particular case, we thought that two stories might be quite interesting to give a little bit more context to this particular phrasal verb, right? And we mm -hmm. thought that maybe it would be a good idea to discuss how both of us ended up here in Spain. Yes. And also a few people have got back to us and said they enjoyed in the first podcast my anecdote story about losing my passport in India. And for those who haven't heard it, go back to the first episode. And they said, oh, can't you tell some more stories? It's nice to hear you talking and telling anecdotes. So we thought this was a good excuse, trying to illustrate the meaning of end up to say how both of us ended up living in Spain. That's um, right. Exactly right. And I think those story learning or uh, that type of approach and that type of methodology can have real uh, powerful effect, let's say, because it's, it's kind of that idea that you are, of course, learning, but you're not literally sitting down and trying to study phrasal verbs, which yeah. can be very, very difficult and sort of tedious, right? Especially because yeah. phrasal verbs can have several meanings and you kind of suddenly realize that you have to learn all the phrasal verbs and you have to learn all the, the, the second and third meanings of each of those phrasal verbs, which can be very overwhelming, right? Yeah, a little dry. So if you can learn them within a context like a story, obviously that can help you understand the meaning and, and perhaps remember them better, no? That's Although right. in the end, they are think you do have to do the boring bit, unfortunately, of sitting down and studying and memorizing. But yes, if you can, if you can understand them within a context, reading something or listening to a story, that's much, much better, no? And maybe helps you to remember the meaning. Yeah, and, and potentially more enjoyable and uh, more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. More yeah, more, yeah, more fun. And when when emotion is mixed in uh, with learning, that can be very, very powerful because generally mm. when you when you are when you experience an emotion and you kind of like let's say somebody listens to your story and they and it really resonates with them, right? Then it's much more likely to remember that particular phrasal verb that that we might use, right? So so that's that's the idea here. So we thought that Alistair you would go first okay. to tell us your story about how you ended up here in Spain I'm super interested to to learn about this and obviously as we go along I will ask you some questions as well and then it will be my turn and I'll tell you a little bit about how I ended up here in Spain so so okay. maybe we can and just... perhaps while we're speaking we'll use some other phrasal verbs absolutely, uh, absolutely. in telling the story you now and if we do we'll try to if we notice we use them, because you just often use them subconsciously, no, you're not concentrating on, I'm using a phrasal verb, maybe we'll highlight it no, as we go along. Absolutely, that's right. Well, so, yes, so yeah. my story begins, I suppose. Hi there, just a very quick interruption. Hopefully you're able to understand everything in this episode, but if you need a little extra help, then you can download the transcript totally free and read along as we speak. If you're interested, just go to the show notes and find the link. Now let's get back to the show. It was in 1995, so a long time ago, 27 years ago, when I took unpaid leave 
So we coming back to the concept of leave that we spoke about in a previous episode, yeah. we talked about maternity leave, sick leave, so an absence from work. So in my job, I was very lucky that I was able to take six months unpaid leave. Right. So I can have an absence from work, but I had my job guaranteed at the end I could come back to, but with no salary. Right. So I went off and traveled around uh, India, well, India, Nepal, Pakistan, and a little bit of China for six months, backpacking, an incredible experience, trekking for about six weeks in Nepal, which was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Mm -hmm. uh, and I came back. So you can imagine that that feeling when you come back from your summer holidays from the beach on Monday morning, back to your work, to your mm. job. Mm. But imagine coming back to your desk at work on a Monday morning after six months and having that amazing experience. So to me, it felt like about I'd been away two years. To everyone yeah. else, it passed in five minutes. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh you're back. Uh, how was India? Good. Okay. And as I was telling you six months ago, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and like, so I was surrounded by life going on as normal and the route back to the routine of yeah. I've been doing the job 10 years, I think at that point, or nine years. And I sat there like in a sort of like a zombie for the first few days. I'm going, oh my God, what is this? So basically I sort of couldn't accept going back to the reality of the routine and normal life after that incredible experience. My head was in another place, still yeah. trekking around the Himalayas. And I thought, oh, I have to. So you could say I had at the age of 34, as I was at the time, I had a midlife crisis. It's an expression we use now in Spanish is, La, uh, la crisis de los 40, but I, mm. I, mine was premature. So I had my <laughs> crisis of the 40s at the age of 34, <laughs> six years earlier. Yeah. And it, you could say it was provoked. It wasn't the only reason by this amazing experience of traveling. So I was like, I, I want to travel again. I want, how can I work? Because I need to work to live, but also combine with traveling. And then somebody, I didn't occur to me, another person suggested, why don't you? Why don't you do a TEFL? I was like, what, what's a TEFL? They said, well, it's teaching English as a foreign language. Mm. So you can do this, this Cambridge certificate that is a qualification that enables you to go anywhere in the world and teach foreigners, non-native speakers, how to speak English. And I thought, ah, oh, that's brilliant. What a brilliant idea. Would never have occurred to me. So I said, then you can travel the world. You can work anywhere, teach in English, save money, travel, and you can do that. I was like, ah. Oh, Okay, brilliant idea. So I saw an advert in an English newspaper saying, come and do your TEFL in Madrid. So the TEFL is like a franchise, franquicia. Mm. So any academy or any place around the world can, can offer TEFL courses to students. And I saw an advert for a TEFL in Madrid. And I'd been to Madrid before. I traveled in Spain in the 80s. I love Spain. And I spoke a little bit of Spanish, sort of tourist Spanish. And I thought, oh, great, go to Madrid wonderful place have a good time it's one month intensive course improve my spanish and then my idea my plan my original plan was to then go to south america and travel mm. through south america from country to country working maybe six months or whatever period of time save money travel work again that was the the plan but i ended up well 25 years later i came in 92nd of may 97 to do my tefl course in Madrid. I remember the date because in we're recording this on the 4th of May. So on Monday, the 2nd of May was a holiday in Madrid because it's the, it's a fiesta. So it's a public holiday. So yeah. I arrived on the 2nd of May in the fiestas de Dos de Mayo. And by pure coincidence, I was living next to that Plaza Dos de Mayo, 
which is the center of the of the celebrations of the fiestas. Uh, I knew nothing about this. I had no idea it was a holiday or what Dos de Mayo meant. So I had an incredible introduction to Madrid that I, I dropped off my, my suitcase in the flat where I was staying, about 50 meters from the Plaza Dos de Mayo, on a Friday night also, coincidentally. So Friday night in Madrid and fiestas. So it was completely crazy. So I went out of the apartment about 10 o'clock at night, just saying, I'm just going to go out for a couple of beers, explore the neighborhood. I'll be back soon. And I think I ended up getting back at around lunchtime on Saturday, the next day. Yeah. So an amazing introduction to Madrid. No. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. And yeah, so all of, all of those things. And so then you basically ended up staying here much, much longer from, from that particular moment. So there's two meanings there. I, I, in the individual example of going out, I ended up, I went out for a quick beer and I ended up staying out till all night. Mm. And also I intended to come to do a one month TEFL course. Mm -hmm. So that was my original plan. And for various reasons, well, falling in love with Madrid from that first amazing experience of that weekend. Absolutely. Before the TEFL began on the Monday. And also not long after I met, I did an intercambio Mm-hmm. A language exchange, which in those days, and maybe still now, I don't know, was very popular in Madrid. So people, Spanish people would advertise saying, you know, I want to exchange Spanish for English. So it's free. You meet a person, you meet for a coffee in a bar or something and speak for half an hour, or an hour in English, and then an hour in Spanish, and you exchange languages and each of you benefits the Spanish person learning English and vice versa. So I, to try to improve my Spanish with my plan of going to South America to teach and travel. I called this woman who was advertising in a magazine saying, I'm Spanish and I want to meet English people to exchange English and Spanish. So I called this person, we met, and this person is now my wife 24 years later. I think we've been together. (laughs) So, you know, I planned, I originally intended to come for one month and I'm still here 25 years later. A, because I fell in love with Madrid and also I met my the person who became my wife. Yeah. So that's my story. So there's a few end up situations there now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really great story. Oh, uh, and of course, I never went to South America. So no. So yeah, I stayed you... in Madrid and I've still never been, not even for a holiday. So yeah. So, that's, so one day I hope I will finally at least go and visit um, a country or countries in South America. But so far I haven't managed it. Yeah, they're still on your to-do list. Still on my to-do list. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's how I ended up still here. So I just had my celebration. I went out on Friday night with friends I met around that time, 25 Mm. years ago. And we went out in the same neighborhood of Malasanya, it's called, near the Plaza Dos de Mayo. Mm -hmm. And we had a few beers and and dinner. And we celebrated my 25th anniversary of arriving in Madrid. Yeah, well, so that was very nice. It's kind of interesting that because it's very specifically easy to remember exactly the date that you arrived, right? Because there's exactly. so many different coincidences. You're never going to forget the 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 square that you were near and the and the date that you arrived exactly. because of because of the fiestas, right? So so I, yeah, if you ask in my me, mind, if it was any other date, probably I wouldn't remember. But the fact that it's Dos de Mayo which is the fiesta of the Comunidad de Madrid. And I was living in that area next yeah. to the square with the same name. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, I've always remembered. So every year on Dos de Mayo, which is a holiday in Madrid, I always remember, oh, how long have I been here? Two years, five years, 10 years. Mm-hmm. 
So I always remember the anniversary, like like your wedding or something. No. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly like that. Yeah. Uh, but if you ask me exactly which day I arrived in Spain, I've got no idea. So, so, yeah, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Who knows? I mean, but certainly that's a great way to remember it, right? And that's kind of also what, what we kind of tried to say here, you know, with this whole idea of a story and how these phrasal verbs are very difficult to, to remember. And this is a good, a good example of you remembering that date because something emotional happened to you. Yeah? And you'll never forget that. You'll never forget that you arrived on that particular day and that particular time and that particular celebration. So it's kind of exactly. it, the way our brains work. Amazing night out in Madrid, the, f- the first night. Yeah. So it was a, a yeah, great introduction to the, to the city and its yeah. nightlife. No? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I will explain quickly my story now as to uh, how I ended up here in Spain, in Madrid in particular. Yes, Daniel, Um, how did you end up still living (laughs) in Spain in 2022? Basically, it's kind of a very similar story to yours. I was working in the UK, but I decided to have a gap year. I didn't go quite as far as you. I wasn't exactly sure what to do, in fact. And I found myself just sort of in the in my parents' living room, uh, looking at a newspaper, just like you as well. And uh, a, came a, a-, a question, that, what, what is a gap year, in case people don't know? That's right. Yeah, a gap year is often related to the idea of a year that you might have between a school and university. That's what it's traditionally been. And so when people talk about gap year, they normally mean that. It, other people... To ha- travel, ha- no, it's usually yes, traveling exactly. for a year to have an experience yes, before, before you start starting uni, university. Yes. And maybe in this particular case, a better description of what I was actually have, doing at that time was having like a year off or a sabbatical right? Those are alternatives, but certainly something that's very common. And I noticed that that speaking with Spanish uh, speakers in general, the whole idea of a gap year is a little bit more unusual, but certainly in the UK, a gap year is very, very, very common, very common. And so it's something that, yeah, lots of people do to kind of get and have an experience before they go to university. But in this particular case, I had been working for, for a few years already and decided that I wanted to have a year off. And so I was just you know, in my parents' uh, living room, reading a newspaper, and I came across, which is another uh, phrase of verb. Yes, I came across an article which were, which was uh, titled 10 Ways to Travel for Free Around Europe." Okay, and mm-hmm. so they had different countries and different options, and my attention was attracted by this particular option in Spain, which was the idea that you would uh, go to Spain and you could uh, teach uh, Spanish speakers English. Okay, and they would all you had to do was apply, and I I did that, and what the idea was that you would fly to Madrid and they would put you up another phrasal verb there a hotel and uh, the all you all you really needed to do was to speak English to uh, Spanish speakers intensively it's true that it was Mm -hmm. intense for one week so you had really no cost at all but it was the idea that you would speak to all these different people in English for a whole week about all different types of topics and very tiring I imagine was it hard work yeah it was it it was enjoyable I think it depends on the type of profile that you have Um, and Mm -hmm. certainly I was I was very motivated to do it but certainly at the end of the week you you kind of feel very you feel quite tired it's true but it was an amazing experience and some people even spoke that so much that they kind of lost their voices and that's of course a a problem if you if you suddenly arrive Spanish at that point no not at all I couldn't speak any Spanish at all so no no, not a word I mean other than the 
you know, standard. Yeah. Hola, uh, buenos dias. Yes, that's right. Or siesta, fiesta, and basically ah, the those, those, <laughs> those type of, yeah, that's right. but not, not, not much more. But of course, for me, it was just a very interesting experience to, to come to a country where I didn't know the language at all. It was kind of every day you're learning something, right? So I did that and I did a few uh, weeks of sort of volunteering. And then I eventually decided that I wanted to stay here for a bit longer. And I started working as an English teacher in Pozuelo in a place called La Finca working with executives and kind of helping them with their professional English and I loved it I really really loved it and so that's basically how I ended up here in Spain because from that point onwards I well obviously I developed my own business but then I met my wife and now I've got two children so I Although my plan was to be here for just for six weeks, uh, sorry, well, yeah, six weeks or six months. I'm now I've now been here for fourteen years, so that's that's the, the so story. Quite similar our stories, in absolutely. A way. We yeah. both wanted to travel in some way. Ended up in Spain to study. Well, you were sort of working, I suppose, more than studying, but connected with teaching English, no, mm. in some way, and then both ended up well. We both met our current partners during that period and we're both and we've ended up staying here ever since. That's so yeah, right. we, we both had a plan to come for a short time for a specific reason and ended up staying here for a lot longer than we expected. No? Exactly. It's exactly, quite similar right. stories. Very similar, very similar. It's uh, sometimes having a plan, if we kind of go into the definition of ending up, you know, you, you might have a plan that, and this happens a lot in life, right? You, you always think, well, I'm going to do this and this is, this is what, how it's going to work out, right? But in the end, sometimes the plan is... Yeah, yeah, well, so, circumstances, it, yeah, things change, change yeah, or absolutely. there's a, a better option and you change your mind or just accidentally you know things happen by chance and that's right it's your destiny you could say destiny if you believe in destiny yeah that you have these life choice certain moments in your life where you make a choice or a decision and your life the direction of your life goes one way or another no yeah so my decision to come and do this tefl in madrid changed my life because now i live here and i've lived here 25 years married to my wife so i mean my life obviously would have been completely different who knows and i never went to south america so if I had gone to South America like the original plan, who knows where I'd be living now? Yeah, uh, and these so, did- you know these these moments now in your life that. Uh- change your life or you know determine your future yeah absolutely and you, you might you might think that uh, it's a small decision or of course you know moving country is never a small decision well, but yeah, certainly decision. it is a big decision but certainly you always kind of have in the back of your head well it's just going to be for a certain yeah, period, period of time you know short period of time I can, I can come back i can you know start again with a similar type of job but most of the time things don't end up that way right they they yeah. they kind of they have Things a way of never end up as you expect them to. End that's up. right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> to go back to just made a note while you were speaking on the subject of the phrasal verbs, you used two phrasal verbs that I noticed come across. You said you sitting in your parents' living room and you came across yeah. this advert in the newspaper. Yeah. So come across means. Yeah, this is context. Yeah, that is when you're kind of not really looking for something specific and you come up, yeah, to come across something by chance, right? So I'm not, I'm not necessarily um, looking for something specific or I'm not researching anything. I was just Mm. one day picked up the newspaper and, and found this particular article. Yeah, by accident. So you find something accidentally that you weren't originally looking for. 
for them. Exactly, exactly. So it could be in the market, knowing the Rastro in Madrid, you were there, not looking for anything specific, and you come across, I don't know, some interesting object, you go, oh, that's nice, and you buy it. Exactly. You weren't looking for it, you just came across it. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one was put up. You said that they put you up for free, I think was the expression. Yes, that's right. Pueblo Inglés. Yes, that's right. Put up, what does that mean? To put up is basically that that they offer you accommodation, right? So that you can you can stay for a few nights. Often it's kind of related to the idea that there's no uh, money involved. I think, right? Mm. It's like yes. To put you up is certainly something that you wouldn't use if you were going to pay for that. And so because this organization so free they, accommodation, yeah, free case. accommodation, yeah. So in this case, the this particular organization didn't make me pay for the hotel, and so that's why I use that particular expression as in you know there was no there was no cost on my side let's say yeah it's so. often you use it maybe with a fret somebody who's yes. they need somebody's stay for the night and they've got no alternative yeah and you a friend or somebody you know or maybe somebody you don't even know perhaps if you're very generous yeah and you offer to put them up for the night so you say okay you can stay there's a bed in my house there's a spare room spare bed mm. uh, and you can stay the night so when you offer to allow someone to sleep in your house someone you know, or maybe even someone you don't know to help them because they haven't got, they can't get home or they've got nowhere to go. And you say, oh, don't worry, I'll put you up for the night. Yeah. So you can stay here in my house free. Yeah. You don't charge them. Yeah, it reminds me of that uh, website that there was around many uh, years ago, which was the idea of couch surfing, right? Which mm. I think was very popular just before Airbnb. But uh, couch surfing is is was where you you know you, somebody would let you sleep on on their sofa, right? And that mm. that is definitely where you would use that phrasal verb. You know, I, I, they they put me up for a few nights or you know whatever. So they yeah, let me stay and let sleep on their sofa or their couch. That's right. That's so they right. put me up. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah. an exchange system. You could stay with them free and maybe they could come and stay at your house in the future free that's right that's right exactly i hadn't Uh, heard of that website so yeah it's a bit i suppose airbnb has killed well maybe not but possibly killed that Yes. Initiative. Yes. Yes. I think so it was Airbnb very you have popular. To pay yeah. though, don't you? So you do. It's you do. Exactly the it's not the same. It's not the same. Maybe it still exists. Maybe it still yeah, exists. It I have no exist. idea. I have to look for uh, it. <laughs> yeah. 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 But but I think the way that you highlighted those two phrasal verbs is interesting because that's exactly how native speakers use those phrasal verbs. We don't really think about them, right? And I think this is another mm. point that we wanted to talk about. And maybe this might not be for this particular episode. But generally, native speakers don't really uh, know when they're using phrasal verb no we're not conscious of it it's just a word well it's just a verb like any other verb when we don't really in fact i was just explaining to somebody this week about this topic and i said native speakers don't distinguish between ordinary verbs and phrasal verbs and in fact i talking about coming to do my tefl course which was one month intensively learning how to teach English, Mm. I think I probably discovered the expression phrasal verb in that course. Yeah. So before that course, if you said to me, what is a phrasal verb? I said, I don't know. I have no idea. So the average English native speaker has probably never even heard the expression phrasal verb. If you ask them to define it, they wouldn't know what it was. So to them, a phrasal verb like put up just has a meaning to put somebody up or to come across something. Mm. They know what it means. They use it, but they don't analyze it. They don't know what it's called, the That's terminology. Right. That's right. So they wouldn't say, oh, yes, come across. That's a phrasal verb. No, it's just a word. Well, two words, a verb, which means 
to find something accidentally that you mm. weren't looking for. Yeah. So native speakers are not conscious of using phrase that they're using phrasal verbs. They don't even know what they are in most yeah. cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Very, very true. Mm. And it reminds me of an experience that I had when I also came to Spain and uh, we were a group of native speakers and, and, and somebody asked us as a group, uh, who can tell me what a phrasal verb is? And, and none of us knew, including me. Mm. I, I had no idea what a phrasal verb was exactly. at that time. And so it's kind of interesting how, you know, as native speakers, we kind of use them All instinctively, the time, right? Instinctively. But we have no idea, no idea of what they, what, what the actual definition is, how what they are is is actually all of our learning related to phrasal verbs is very sort of or natural or, yes I'm natural. Not sure. yes yes both of those say the yeah same so thing. we yeah. don't distinguish like obviously when you're teaching english you have to explain what a phrasal verb is what it means and students get uh, or clients get very worried it's like people get they hate phrasal verbs so oh, i hate phrasal verbs i don't understand them they're too difficult mm. And they are difficult, that is true. But really, in the end of the day, they're just they're just verbs like any other verb. It's just vocabulary. Yeah. It's just, you know, you just have to learn that come across means what it means, put up means what it means. But they're difficult because, well, maybe I think we need to probably in the future we'll dedicate another episode or absolutely yes. To go into more yes. detail because they're yeah, they are quite complicated uh, when you start analyzing them. The point yeah. is that native speakers don't analyze them, they just use them. That's right. Um, that's right and the problem that's is right. i always say to my students you can maybe avoid using phrasal verbs not all of them some of them there are no alternatives but very often usually there is an alternative word that you can use that is one word and very often that word is very similar or the same in spanish or in latin languages italian french for example looking to mm-hmm. a phrasal verb means to investigate mm-hmm. so the police are looking into the crime yeah. They're investigating. So for a Spanish speaker or probably a French speaker, Italian speaker, investigate comes from Latin. So investigar. Yeah. So it's the same word or almost identical. So for a Spanish speaker, it's much easier to remember and to use investigate than look into. So you can avoid using look into. Oh, it's too difficult. I'll just I'll use the word investigate. It's very easy for me because it's like the Spanish word. However, you cannot control what other people say to you. Mm. So a native speaker is very likely in a situation to say, oh, somebody is looking. Can you look into this for me? Mm-hmm. So can you investigate this thing? And you're like, look into, mira adentro. <laughs> so you know that you know what the words mean. You know, look, you know, into. But when you translate them directly, literally, they don't mean anything. So you just have to understand that those two words together, look into, mean, investigate. So maybe you never use it, but you need to understand it. So you yeah. need to study phrasal verbs. You need to understand the common ones, at least, that people use all the time because native speakers use them a lot. And yeah. perhaps a native speaker is more likely or at least as likely to say look into as investigate. Yeah. We, we use both words. We, we're not conscious of using one or the other. Mm. It's the same for us. We don't mm. think of them as being different. But to a, a non-native speaker, you need to understand if somebody says to you look into it means investigate so yeah you can't unfortunately you can't avoid them completely you've got to study them and understand them at least the yeah. most the more common ones no? 
Yeah, that is such a good point. Yeah, really, really, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I would have said, (laughs) yeah, different expression, maybe for a different episode, but certainly that is exactly what I would say as well. Absolutely. It's, 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 you do have control uh, to a certain degree about which phrasal verbs you want to use and which ones you might have an alternative for. You prefer to avoid. (laughs) Yeah, but you, it's much more difficult to, to have control of obviously of what some, the, 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 what you're listening to. it's impossible, right? So you've got to, you've got to mm. be prepared for those moments where the pe- native speakers use phrasal verbs. They will not know that they're making it more complex for you. No, that's they've another got no thing. Idea. They've got yeah, no idea. They're not going to take into account. Oh, I better not use a phrasal verb because yeah. maybe this person doesn't understand it. No, they just use the phrasal verb like any other verb or any other word. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, English teachers, and this is kind of very interesting too. English teachers may uh, will will certainly know when they're making it more complex for you. So they potentially would limit the number of phrasal verbs that they're going to use. Okay, especially with maybe clients who have a lower level, right? But native yeah, you speakers, your language, yes, yeah. that's right. So absolutely. you might avoid them when yeah. you're speaking, or yeah. you know when you use them. So I was very conscious when you were speaking that you said "put up" and "come across." Yeah. Uh, whereas a native speaker would not be conscious of that. They wouldn't even notice you use those words. Yeah. But as exactly. a teacher, I have to explain these things very often. I'm aware of them. So if I'm using them, either I avoid them if I think they'll be too difficult for the level of my student. Yeah. Or if I use them, I might stop and say, oh, I just said, come across. Do you understand that? I'll yeah. check. Yeah. And I'll say no, and I'll explain it. But a native speaker will never do that. That's right. That's right. Because they've got no idea. It's difficult for you. That's right. And that's a very important element to to for for people to understand, right? Because there's often this idea of, oh, I find native speakers more difficult to to understand, and there's Mm. normally a reason for that. And the reason is is that the native speakers do not really know when they're making it more difficult for for other people to to understand what they're saying. They have no filter, as you were saying before. So they will just try to communicate in the way that they normally communicate, and also. In many cases, they also haven't learned in a foreign, uh, another foreign language. That's, so that's, that's, that's important. another key issue. If you've never been a teacher or you've never learned another language, you have no concept or you're not conscious of how difficult it is <laughs> and the problems that you have learning languages and vocabulary. So a, a native speaker who's never studied a language or never had been in a situation where they have to use regularly another language and communicate, don't really appreciate the problems a non-native speaker has to particularly to understand. So they'll speak too quickly because they're not really aware they're speaking quickly for them is normal. It's how they speak. Yeah. They'll use expressions and vocabulary, phrasal verbs, and they don't appreciate which ones are easier or more difficult or which are slang or colloquial and which are more standard. They just don't have these concepts. So they just speak how they speak. They hope and they expect you to understand or they hope you understand. Yeah, absolutely. Problem. Okay, I think we probably should uh, stop there because otherwise we probably just continue. Uh, this is such uh, an interesting yes. uh, topic, but but yeah, still would... a lot more for another episode. Absolutely, so. absolutely. But what would be interesting is that uh, to get an idea of whether our listeners are interested in this sort of approach in terms of storytelling and whether that helps them in their learning process and whether they would like more uh, in terms of this type of yeah context, let's say, to to different issues of of, of learning and and ways that 
that they can they can really get to grips, let's say, with the different expressions that 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 uh, they might want to want to learn. So get to so grips if, with I like yeah. that expression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So definitely write to us and let us know whether you would like that sort of uh, more of a storytelling approach, and it, it, that would definitely help us to kind of think about what we how we structure the the episodes in the future. But for the moment, thank you very much, Alistair, for joining me today. Really great as usual. Uh, thank you. I enjoyed hearing your your particular story about how you ended up living in Madrid. <laughs> Absolutely. And so as usual, we will meet again next week. Okay. Uh, cheers. Bye. All right. See you then. Bye-bye.